Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb. For terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Friends, do keep your scriptures open, if you wouldn't mind, on page 52, and might I lead you in a short prayer. Send your Holy Spirit, dear Father, upon the sacred scriptures that they might live before us even now. And may the Christ in whose name we meet be strong and powerful in our lives. For his dear name's sake, amen. I'm not sure why, but I was thinking about Thunderbirds Argo. It was a boyhood fascination of mine. I think they made it into a movie. Uh, There's one in outer space. The, real, the one for me was the great big green one. Do you remember that one? It's Thunderbird 2. And out of the guts of the ship, dropped into the sea, Thunderbird 4. It was a little yellow one. It went around. Uh, there are attempts to um, harmonise all the Gospels together. And as they describe God's, that's the link, God's rescue mission, what we're going to do is focus on one particular part of God's rescue mission. Only a few verses at the end of Mark's Gospel. Back to Thunderbirds, it was often the case as the episodes got rolled out that they would be, well, they'd all be involved. There'd be Dr. Tracy in the island, remember that? And then one episode would be for number one. And then the other one would be, actually, Gordon, I think it was, was in number four at the bottom of the sea. And so this is Mark's time this evening. The end of Mark's Gospel. Of course, all the Gospels are involved in God's rescue plan. Boom, yeah? God's international rescue plan for the world. But we're looking at Mark's Gospel today. And there are some fascinating details contained within the script. A few PhDs have been written on why Mark's Gospel ended abruptly. I tend to favour the earlier ending. But I'm not going to go to stake over the fact it could be a long one as well. There was the tomb. The stone was rolled away. And here's the first finer point of detail that's fascinating about God's rescue mission for humankind. The angel is there, sitting on the stone. Whenever you have someone sitting in the scriptures, you need to think to yourself, a victory has been won. And so in glorious, understated majesty, you have a heavenly, angelic messenger, that's what angel means, sitting on a stone. The messenger of heaven has come and he's seated. Let the reader understand, let the heart understand, God has come and he's won. Of course, those of us that understand the scriptures will recognize throughout the whole of the scriptures, not just the gospel readings, 
which speak of the rescue plan of God for the world through Jesus Christ. But right at the start of the scriptures, at the conclusion of Genesis 3, there's a victory message. You're not going to be able to tamper with the tree of life. It's safeguarded. There's a flashing sword and there are angels guarding it. Paradise is secured. And then the human story unfolds with battles and ups and downs and mini victories and plenty of losses for the human race. But before we get to the final chapter in Revelation, one commentary on my shelf simply says of the whole of of the book of Revelation, the Lamb wins. You want to understand the book of Revelation, although it's perplexing, in many places the summary is God's got it. God's in charge. Jesus, the Lamb, wins. And then on the greatest day in history, when the tomb was empty, let the reader understand there's a flashing sword. Life is protected. There's a sacrificial lamb, eternally secure forever. And there's an angel sitting. Get it, please. God wins. If Thunderbirds dates me, so do, does the repetition of the football scores. Late Saturday afternoon it was, and you could oftentimes, as the football scores were being read out, anticipate how the match was going to go. See if I can get it right. Bolton Wanderers 2, Sheffield Wednesday, known. Newcastle United, five. Arsenal, three. Who should we have fun with now? Tottenham Hotspur, two. Liverpool, three. You know who's going to win. <laughs> I wonder what it is for you personally. On the upside or on the downside, maybe you can give clues away from how you are. Life is hard. The scores are going the wrong way. Throughout the whole of the narrative of the scriptures, God wins. And of course, how he wins will get played out in all sorts of different ways. But the angel was seated. The messenger has come from heaven. God's in charge. He's got it. He's won. We know the end of the story. But to Mark's gospel, back we go. First of all, notice verse 6, the facts of the story. One wonderful hymn has, these are the facts as we have received it. The tomb is empty. He's not here. You're looking in the wrong place. This Jesus who was crucified is not here. There they are, plain and simple facts. Undisputed in Jewish literature that Jesus died, undisputed in Roman historian literature of the same day that Jesus died. There are some commentators that say, well, I suppose we better believe in the resurrection but it was counter-subversive for them. It wasn't on their game to big that story up, so it's not there. But the scriptures 
all non-scriptural sources are clear on this fact. Jesus Christ was not there. Notice how the word of God brings this out very clearly. He's not there, but then you don't just need the facts. Secondly, you need the interpretation of the facts. It's the heavenly messenger from God that says, he's risen. You'll go looking for him, but you won't find him. It's not that he's swooned and run away. It's not that the disciples have hid his body. The message after the facts, the interpretation of the facts, is that God has raised him to life forevermore. Of course, for ourselves, we need to think, is that the interpretation that we wish to agree with? But that the word of God says, that's what's happened, we do need to get, if you're to understand Mark's particular message of how the good news of God's rescue plan has come. The facts are there. The tomb is empty. The revelation of why that's happened is that God has raised him. But notice it doesn't stop there. Read on in verse 7. But, so the heavenly messenger says, the one who was seated down and says, look, you're not going to see him there. It's because God has raised him. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. In other words, there's going to be an encounter. And in the scriptural story of the first Easter event on that marvellous day, that is in fact what happened. He's going on ahead of you and you'll find him in Galilee. The facts are clear, the tomb's empty. The reason it's empty is God has raised him, but you'll need reassurance, so go to Galilee where he's going on ahead of you and there you will see him. Of course the scriptures say, bringing in the other forces of international rescue, 500 people saw him at one time, some doubted, some actually got to feel his garments, but he appeared to them. He was there, so the scriptures say. And then, of course, the great ascension happens. Taken and seated, where? At God's right hand, a symbol again of eternal an ever-present victory. And then Christ appears to Paul as one, he says, abnormally born on the Damascus Road. The heaven is blindingly open, flashing before him. And Paul meets the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. Do you notice how Mark unpacks his good news with very clear, precise terms. It's empty. The reason it's empty is that God has raised him. He, this Jesus, was met by many, many people. They were convinced after a personal encounter with him that he was alive. And then the apostle writes these things down with all the other Christian believers at the time. The message comes to us even now in countless ways. 
get this, God can rescue you, God can meet you in victory, in personal encounter with him, for he's alive. I want to look again at verse 7. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee. Fascinating that Peter is mentioned, mentioned by name. If ever there was going to be someone waiting with the disciples, of course they could have gone the other way, but this angel has pointed to the tomb. He's given the only explanation possible that Christ, that God has raised Christ, and he's encouraged them to go to Galilee and speak to the disciples. And can you make a special point of telling Peter to find Jesus there? If anyone would want to be forgotten, if anyone would want to think they've messed up and let the whole side down, if anyone would think that the football scores are going completely the wrong way in life for them and they're never going to get it back, no matter how hard they try, it would be Peter, the leader of God's church, the rock on which the church is built. Jesus is the name above every name. Peter is the name that represents every name. You and I, members of his church, the countless people that somehow feel that the encounter with the risen Christ here and now might not just be for them. It's okay for the person sitting next to you. It's okay if you sing particularly loudly. It's okay if you behave in a particularly moral way. But you don't know me. You don't know how the goals are going in and how the life is going for me. Truth be told, I do need some rescue help. Jesus, the name above every name. Peter, the name that represents every name. The tomb's empty. There's only one reason God did it. He's going to convince the followers then, because he's there and seen, He's raised to heaven, is seen by Paul, who writes this down. The Christian church is here, and God says, especially to you, I want to meet with you and appear to you. I wonder if you noticed in uh, the news recently, Boris Becker is just out of prison. I've forgotten how long he got. I think it was 18 months uh, he was sentenced for, probably got away with less. I'm always pained to hear after heinous crimes that the criminal justice system presumably rightly says this particular individual, not Boris Becker, his was quite minor financial crimes, but for murder and multiple murders and so on, they have three or four life sentences. And I'll sit there reading this or I'll look at my news screens and I kind of think, well, why do I need to know all that? Because, I mean, they're not going to get out, are they? They, I mean, that, they? They're shut in. doesn't matter if they're shut in three or four times because they're going to die. It will mean a lot to the people 
whom they've offended. And the criminal justice system, of course, works like that. We've heard tragically of uh, the pandemic days of what was known in the early days as the viral load. You get one little bit of virus and then the other comes and it makes it worse and then you get another load and another load. This is not a repeated sentence. This is not a load that you can pack on and will make you worse. This is God's rescue mission saying over and over in repeated tones. The tomb's empty. There's only one reason God raised Jesus and he's been seen by loads of people. He's ascended into heaven. He can appear to whoever he wants, even a murderer like Paul, who writes the script down in perfect detail that's reflected on over countless years so that everyone's included, no one's left out, the grace, of course, by the power of the risen Christ and his word comes to each one of us now. Victory in our lives, the reassurance of his presence. One of the fascinating things about Mark's gospel and its abrupt early ending, you're left with the question, well, I wonder, I wonder what next? Uh, you can't actually say it's a page turner because there's no more pages to turn. But you are asking the question, I wonder what is going to happen next? Perhaps that's how the gospel writer of Mark wanted this demonstration of the rescue mission of God for his humanity. How he's going to demonstrate that he can win for you to end. I wonder what the most powerful force in the world is. You can split an atom. You can discover some recesses of a black hole. You can demonstrate the power of the Almighty and look into an empty tomb and see that God raised him. You can reflect on the life and development of the Christian church and see what works in life by the power of the Holy Spirit. All of those things are potentially top of the list. To be a little bit upfront with you and indeed with myself, there is one greater force than that. It's the power of our own will. Loaded on with grace after grace. It's true. God did it. He's shown himself to others. He can appear to you. This is the best way to live. The most powerful force in the world is to say, I don't want anything to do with that. Just let the goals keep on going in. Mark's gospel ends on a cliffhanger. I wonder what's going to happen next. Many, many people here this evening would say that belief and trust in the risen Christ is the best 
and only way to live for all of our lives at whatever stage, no matter what our name, no matter what our experience. Go and tell the disciples that I will meet them in Galilee, and especially Peter. How do you wish this Easter time, even this evening, even this week, even in the months ahead, to meet with the risen Christ? Countless people do. The most powerful force in the world, of course, could be avoided, could be not realised by you, by simply walking away or closing your heart. The tomb was empty. The stone was rolled away. May our hearts and lives be open for the risen Christ that we might encounter him afresh even this evening. Let's be still and I'll lead you in a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you call each of us by name and you tell us not to fear for I have called you by name and you're mine. We pray that the victory of Christ won for each one of us would not be in vain. We pray for a fresh encounter with the mighty power of Jesus. We pray that this night he might be all he can to us. The victory of God and the purposes of God might be worked out in us and through us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.